0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Good evening, everyone. This is Marty Oakley of the PPJ Gazette Online, and this is the TS Radio Network. Our show tonight is Whistleblowers, and our very special guest is Carrie DeVore. She's been on with us before, and I'll have her on here in just a moment. I want to remind everybody that these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit. It's an annual event in Washington, D.C. Uh, this year it will be live on Zoom Video because of this fake virus and uh, but if you get a chance when they, we're able to meet again in person to attend it's free. and it is quite an event. You will meet people to network with. you will meet people that you, uh, you can talk with and find out what they're doing that has worked, what didn't work, where, where to avoid things, um, how to get in the door different I mean it's just really an educational experience. And as far as whistleblowers go, and I've gotten a lot of emails on these shows, and the mainstream media has been quite successful in propagandizing this topic to the extent that a lot of the public thinks that whistleblowers only blow the whistle because they get paid. Not true. Now, let me make you understand this. When a whistleblower blows the whistle and says there's fraud, abuse, waste, something going on, the immediate thing that happens is whoever they reported on begins systematic retaliation. This can include interfering with your personal life, your employment, um, and I'm always amazed that... Uh, Other employees in the same area the whistleblower was working will turn on them They know the same thing the whistleblower does but they will in mass turn on them and help to retaliate and you know torment them Uh, This has always just disgusted me Please understand that when these people commit these acts These that the whistleblowers are reporting you, the taxpayer, are paying for it. When they retaliate and use personnel or other means to retaliate, you are paying for it. They never go to court or rarely do. But if they have to, your their attorney is paid for by you, the taxpayer. And you think they're going to see any jail time? <laughs> you might as well whistle, Dixie. Maybe one in a thousand You are paying for all of this mismanagement, discrimination, corruption, fraud, waste, abuse, and then you're paying for the defense for the person who was committing it. If they get any fines or anything else, guess who pays that too? They're also allowed to resign their position immediately, usually. That's so they can keep all their benefits but you're still on the hook for all their expenses, for all their wrongdoing. And we, like I say, we are paying for this. And so it's very important when whistleblowers come forward, they get a percentage of whatever the government recovered in that whistleblowing. And, but it is a rare, rare instance that they actually see any money. Uh, we had one gentleman on from Alabama here couple years ago who got was supposed to have gotten 13 million as his percentage on the whistleblowing they recovered over 40 million the attorneys ate every bit of it up he's never never seen a dime and this is the way it is with most whistleblowers they end up broke many times homeless they will ostracize you in your own community as a form of retaliation they will do things that you can't even imagine And this will continue long after the issue has been resolved. This never stops. They just keep coming. We found this especially like in forestry where these women, the women in forestry who have been uh, abused and raped in many instances, they've had their marriages destroyed, not because of what happened, but the retaliation that followed they for years if they try to get another job they will the forestry service will intervene and make, intervene and make sure they do not get employment this has gone on for decades and we see more whistleblowers coming out now but the whole thing is here um don't think these people are doing it for the money cuz like I say They're most likely not going to see a dime, and they are trying to save you from paying the bill on the wrongdoing. So have a little respect here, if you would, please. But anyway, our guest tonight is Carrie Devorah. And we had her on here, I think, last year uh, to talk about her whistleblowing and how she Presented this whole thing and tracked it. It was just an amazing story. And Devo- Carrie, I'm going to have you give people a background and then bring us up to where we are today. We seemed. Are you on mute? <laughs> My goodness, something's happened here, Carrie. Okay, it just disconnected, so something's going on here. Just hang on, we'll try and get her back up. Um, also, uh, for the you know, once a month we do the USDA whistleblower show, and this has been a decades after decade after decade issue with USDA. They just recently put Tom Vilsack back in in as the head of it, and. During his first tenure at USDA, he almost single-handedly destroyed independent family farming in this country, which makes me wonder why he got put back in there again. It was so mismanaged. His connection to Monsanto uh, was so disgusting that um, it, it nearly destroyed a whole sector of our economy, and I think he's in there to finish the job, but that's my personal opinion. Carrie, have we got you up?
0: I'm back. Do you hear me? Okay. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I was was saying that I miss you from the National Whistleblower Summit where we met. It's truly an amazing feeling to sit in a room of people like you who we all think the world hates us because that's what they tell us because we tell the truth when other people are sympathetic. Empathize that we tell the truth they're empathetic they say someone has to speak up so th- god bless you for doing it and you just look at them and go like why aren't you speaking up we know yes
1: way. yes yes
0: you're you're
1: because most of them you know, don't have the backbone to do it and that's what it is um most people are so terrified in these yeah go ahead the,
0: The word whistleblower has a bad connotation. Um, It is not as if, but it is that the people's, the attorneys of the peoples we tell truths about came up with terms like snitch and other words which give a bad image of who we are, and we're nice people willing to risk it all. So my story goes back 2010 I cold called the Securities and Exchange Commission saying I have a problem that I can't prove that I hired a fee-only advisor, and the woman sent me papers. After eight months, I was leaving her as a client, and she sent papers that showed commissions were taken. Well, fast forward to July 19th, uh, 2020, I had solidly locked in a case that showed that there was no money ever put anywhere. It was a Ponzi scam the whole time, and in in collusion with um, the firms Western International Securities and J.P. Morgan. And to those of us who are a little bit more uh, attuned to whistleblowing and Wall Street, J.P. Morgan has – a connection to Bernard Madoff and other scammers, not just my woman, Don Bennett, and her cartel that were in collusion with J.P. Morgan. What came out over the course of time, there were never any accounts. The money was actually never any client accounts. And I got this as a confirmed letter from Jamie Dimon's office. There was no notice of my having applied for an account, anybody applied in my name for account, but it appeared there was another account for this woman, money yet to be determined. That will come out more in time, but the next day I was in Greenbelt, Maryland Federal Court watching this woman being sentenced to 20 years in federal prison. I didn't give up. You know, there's a children's book, uh, Hillary and Chelsea Clinton co-authored, called She Persisted. I should be in there. I persisted through 10 years of being told, I don't know what I'm talking about, family members being threatened, and um, being spot on in terms of learning how the system is operating under the radar with the public, being and, and law enforcement very important to clarify law enforcement to intentionally misled, so I stuck with it and put in a whistleblower award um, once a notice of covered action was made public and there 's a procedure the SEC has, but they don 't make public to self represented whistleblowers as I have been. And May 3rd, I got a letter confirming I will be awarded 30% of the collected award. So, like you were saying, the SEC um, makes a big show that the whistleblower is going to get 30% of what's collected, but few whistleblowers understand you don't get anything if they say we didn't collect anything. But I have a unique talent, which is document um, paginating and saving Mm -hmm. papers. I, some I deleted sadly but mostly I've kept so my now week is spent going back through documents and laying out the case yet again is this is where the money is and this is where you're why you're going to be paying me and gosh you moved two separate matters um, that I reported into one um, uh, in 2015, the SEC created a quote-unquote, scare quotes, second matter that they're trying to pass off the data from 2010 in. Big difference. Uh, the matter in 2010 said there were 1,200 clients by this alleged firm that was just a Ponzi scam versus the federal court matter the SEC rapidly jumped into when they realized the FBI had been brought in by a bank who caught this, saw this woman Uh scamming an elderly victim. So we'll see what happens. But the truth is is you have to have a strong constitution. Well, Marty, you know this as well as I'm going to say it. Some of us get picked by God for things that are bigger of us because he has faith in who we are even when we don't. And we stick to it.
1: Uh Yeah, well, it it is a hard business, and like I said at the opening of the show, uh, doing these shows these years and talking like and the women of forestry, Carrie always stick in my mind to be raped on your job, and have that dismissed as if it was nothing, and everyone in the department knows, all the managers knows, you, you know, everybody at the top knows. And even beyond the organization, people know. And yet nothing happens. And these people have been retaliated against, dog destroyed. Um, I had a young man in, um, he's in New Orleans now, and his name is Tarif Simon. And he had worked at the um, Bakey Hospital in Houston, Texas. And he worked up in the surgical area. And he did maintenance and he started noticing that the ice was dirty. So he, and this is where they're keeping organs for transplant. So he tracks it down. He finds a break where the water system came in from the city, came into the hospital. And all this trash is going up there. He reported it. Nothing happened. So he went up the chain of command. And they ended up, like I say, the thing I spoke about at the beginning, it makes me sick at my stomach that. The employees that worked alongside of him turned on him. Not that he had done the wrong thing, not that he was wrong, but that he reported it. And they finally, un- he, he left the job. Went, it's unexplainable. Yes. yes. He went back to, to New Orleans to his family, and they they tarnished his name in the community. They sent people out. To start rumors about him and do all kinds of things, and if you talk to him, Carrie, you would think he's paranoid. Till you find out and you see what's actually happened. This had gone so far that his mother had turned on him. And in a conversation with her, she says, "I pray for my son every day." And I said, "Well, how about you pray that God gives you some compassion for your son? He's fighting Goliath here, and you just threw another stone." and um but this is this is how deep this will run the the lying the collusion the retaliation and i can say Carrie, the idea that these heads of departments um tony took got to step down got to resign so he could keep all of his federal benefits and then they still never did anything to him they never did a thing and i say we're paying for all of this as taxpayers we are paying for all of this for all of this corruption and the criminal acts and the waste and the fraud and the abuse and the attorneys and this and that we're paying for all of this
0: so here here's a perspective because well a perspective that i can offer is is we as people presume that everybody sees things the way that we do and we presume as people that everybody wants to do the right thing We're off to failure, as I learned the hard way, if we move forward with that as our understanding in trying to resolve what we see as being a right that must be stopped. I I, I did something interesting somewhere along the line in my whistleblowing on the SEC because I did get a little bit of training. I helped build a crime analysis lab at UCLA PD. And I said, I have to stop thinking like they're telling me the truth and I have to flip it to start thinking as if uh, they are the criminal or I am the criminal with them. So you get a different perspective. And instead of thinking or asking oneself, why, are they do- why aren't they doing this, start asking, well, what are they doing this for? And that's when I began to understand the frauds going on within the SEC and FINRA. Their method of working has gone on for 100 years but over the hundred years, people coming on board got a watered-down version of what the agenda was. Some people grasp mm-hmm. that crime is part of it and getting away with the crime is okay because they're not going to do anything. Um, we saw that with Flash right. Boys and other movies that have become popular. But it got easier mm-hmm. for me to break it down once I saw an absence of law enforcement involvement, and I exposed that they don't call the cops. They two enforcement agencies or enforcement entities, one for, uh, for private business league, a uh, dues collecting private business league, and the other one was the SEC. The SEC is a regulator. They have no law enforcement ability because I kept saying, well, why aren't they turning this over to cops? I took the matter to cops in D.C., to former chief Kathy Lanier and to her follower, a subsequent former chief, Peter Newsham. And I learned that they have councils that they answer to and mayors that they answer to. Mayor Muriel Bowser in D.C. was very public and proud of herself on a Judy Woodruff radio uh, TV show where Muriel Bowser said, my police do exactly what I tell them to do. I am a mayor, governor, and CEO of the District of Columbia. No, ma'am, you answer to the law. And I had uncovered along the way that law enforcement had no idea, which set another obstacle for me. I had to start to find a way for law officers to listen to me, to understand I'm one of the good ones, not a bad person. It's a tight community that tends to look at outsiders oddly. I had some training. I built a crime lab, so that gave me a little bit of credibility. But I also learned I had to do double the work to lay out a crime for them in the language they were allowed by the D.C. Council and by Muriel Bowser, the language of uh, uh, of a law officer, which is the law. So what I figured out was, FINRA and the financial industry self-regulator and the SEC had a dog and pony show that would go out to law officers and explain to the law officers what FINRA wanted them to hear, what the SEC wanted them to hear. But I knew enough to know that their rules as the self-regulator and regulator, are not law. And I had to explain it to them taking a Ponzi scam I had come to understand intimately and going through the D.C. law on the books and paginate a document from a court proceeding because that made it an official document. It wasn't just my speculating. This said court such-and-such date, such-and-such document, such-and-such. And then I had to relate all those papers to the limited laws that the D.C. had created that were approved by FINRA and the SEC. So I had to somehow pierce things to let law officers see what they're supposed to be doing, which was interesting because it's a new conversation to them, a conversation I took to Richmond, Virginia, to uh, Mark Herring, who's currently running again for um, the, I think he's the attorney general of Virginia, And former Governor Terry McAuliffe, who got papers from me back in 2014, but they didn't do anything. And that's when I was in my trusting stage still, saying, ah, they're going to see cops are supposed to be doing this work, but nobody's telling them about these crimes, so they can't book these people. And this will let cops, what I'm exposing, will let cops do their job, which is to maintain the law and protect people. But they're only being heard about in the news relevant to gun shootings, except, as I ended up proving, nobody knows how many financial crimes take place in any city, in any state, in any – even in the countries that FINRA and the SEC have agreements signed with, because nobody was making the data public. I built a crime lab, which meant that I have no grand genius. I'm good at matching papers. Marty, my first career was I was an artist, an illustrator. And if there's Uh anything I'm good with, it is finding pieces of pictures that I could scotch tape together to help me see a picture that I actually want to make. It's all that I'm doing here. Okay. The trusting of the law officers took time. Getting the word out to others takes time, and as you know, that's when the onslaught comes on of she's this and she's that. You know, the truth stands on two feet, and you can't push it over. Lies stand on points. It's a Hebrew parable about the letters of the word uh, truth in Hebrew, which is emet, and the word lie in Hebrew, which is sheker. (laughs) And so the words and the uh, the letters of the of the word Shekhar all stand on a point. So you know what it's like. If you tap a point, something's balancing on a point. If you tap it with your finger, it falls over. Yes. That became something I kept inside of me. If I keep on doing what the woman that trained me called God's work, it's going to be painful, but it's going to work out. And I explain to people, you don't want to become a whistleblower unless you really believe that you're doing the right thing for others. Um, Right. What was interesting to our talking today, I don't know if you saw that blurb on the young lady from Florida who penned herself as the whistleblower on coronavirus. No,
1: I haven't seen that.
0: What'd she say? She's a fraud. Okay. She's been exposed as a complete fraud. I haven't read the article in depth, but I did copy the address to read later, do my nighttime reading. But she's one of multiple people that come out using the term whistleblower when they're not. Um, Uh We have, gosh, Edward Snowden, I'm outspoken. When you steal documents, you stole documents. You're not a whistleblower. There's a process that we've gone through that they don't go through. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Julia is uh, another one like that.
1: I, I see in those two
0: instances
1: we'll have to respectfully agree to disagree. I think um, sometimes what you're onto is so massive, so terrible, which in Snowden's case, when he realized that, like NSA, was not about protecting the country, it is uh, basically about total surveillance and the fact that our government considers us its biggest enemy. Um, I think he did us all a service. He's paying for it. Assange simply you know, was an aggregate site of WikiLeaks. He had all these documents and everything that people were forwarding and sending to him, and he put them out. He had every right to do that, and so, they didn't – go ahead.
0: 2009, I began realizing what was going on with the Internet. My entree into that conversation came from, at that time, retirement career, covering the White House and Capitol Hill. And the Judiciary and Financial Services were two of the committees that I routinely covered. Um, I was listening to things that didn't make sense, and I was watching my content, my intellectual property, photographs being stolen and shared at such a rapid rate it totally destroyed the money-making ability of anybody coming up with an original idea that they shared online the intent of the internet was set out since 1997 to grow into what it is today and even earlier but it was the internet that was set up um, as it is with uh, a a uh, tool, the IANA domain naming system, being given away in an easy easy manner of it, describing it, um, but not compliant to government policy. And our world was set up to gather data, and it repeats a cycle that was set up back in the early 1900s. Life is pretty much... Okay. A- you know, you were talking earlier about fat Fauci and the fake coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was ability to fake viruses was set up into play back in the early nineteen hundreds based upon my research. Yes. And documents. Yes. I rely on documents. Fauci was called out as a fraud in nineteen seventy five by the inventor mm-hmm. of the PCR who said yes. that and th- that man got like $10,000 for his invention. He was a, an in-house um, scientist, a researcher, and then the mm. PCR was sold to a European firm for $300 million. And this man, Kerry Mullis, was a Nobel laureate for what he had invented, and he was constantly ravaging against Fauci. Uh, we, there was a famous you know, story of Harry Muller is being interviewed uh, by a TV unit and saying, "Come with me over to NIH. We'll wait till the little guy comes out to his car, and then I'm going to call him XYZ to his face. I want you to videotape it." The moment never happened, um, but Fauci was known as well as Redfield and Burks, known for faking um, data. Uh, Redfield and Burks were called out to Congressman California Congressman Henry Waxman in 1994 for having faked an AIDS vaccine. There were AIDS groups that were constantly uh, ravaging against the NIH and Fauci. Um, having said that, the, many of the deaths were of the, the HIV AIDS victims were coming from the therapies that killed their bone marrow. Now, uh, Carrie Mullis, yeah. His story of how he realized that something was wrong with with, with Fauci. Um, he wanted a grant, and Kerry uh, Mullis explained in an interview that to get a grant you had to lay out prior research to show what has already been done, and he could find nothing that related HIV and AIDS together. Eventually, right. there there was a, a, a proponent. For Fauci from the AIDS community, but it came out later he was well paid for it, and that's what Fauci has done well at is bringing on board peers to help him get his his um, therapies or pharmaceuticals out there. Um, mm-hmm. Early on into the coronavirus, I was locked down in New York for a couple of months, and. Nothing to do of my work, because um, I didn't have my equipment with me. I just, you, on my cell phone, began researching coronavirus. A lot of the theories that are coming out now are things I actually documented and shared early on. Twitter took down about 1,200 posts of mine, and, where I would always attach documents to my posts, screen grabs so people would see it's not my theory. These are it's, This is what makes right. this out there. Knowledge is power. And um, I began copying my tweets afterwards. I have, like, so many tweets saved up because I don't want to lose the ability to lay out the story in, in sequence. Um, Fauci, 1994, uh, a, an activism group reported Fauci and Brooks uh, and Redfield to Congress. And somehow the matter disappeared mysteriously. Documents were attached, found them online quite by chance. And the coincidence was the military, who both Brooks and Redfield worked for, the military had a $20 million grant pending. Well, you know the rest Uh of the story without my sharing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, you were spot on with Fauci. Um, yeah. This was well, a- and
1: the thing is, the 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 thing is with this whole thing, um, they had that event two hundred one, him and Gates, you know, and that whole bunch, that was exactly what we have gone through. Um, they, they brought the drill live, is what they did. Um, oh yeah. And there, there's a, there's never it. never been any yes. And they—they they is- are and, and quite honestly, Carrie. I don't think, as a country, and I don't think we're the only country in this position. But as a country, I don't think we are going to survive much longer. Uh, whatever they're doing, I'd they like have kicked into high gear.
0: Well, I, I trying to be,
1: but I just can't be. I can't be. There's too much going on. The Constitution has basically been shredded to the point that it has no value for us whatsoever. When When an online, freely expressed site like Twitter starts deplatforming people, they just did this to Australian Association Against Guardianship Abuse. They had a huge protest this week. They'll be on my radio show a week from tomorrow night. But they had a huge protest. Twitter took them down, took them offline. Um, they took Let me, me to offline. They. Who yeah. is Twitter? Who is Twitter? Yeah, I, I don't know
0: who Twitter I won't I tell it? you. Let me ask you, would you like okay. to know? Um, yes, I Twitter will. is a seed of venture capitalist company, KPCB, Kleiner Perkins Capital mm-hmm. Buyers. And KPCB is a friend of... Al Gore and Bill Clinton and the, and Vince Cerf. Vince Cerf was a former DARPA um, scientist, or researcher, or whatever you want to call him. A Contractor is probably more correct, who I mm-hmm. actually recorded at a GW University event where I had him stating, uh, we put Al Gore into Congress to make the Internet happen. There was um, so when it did happen eventually, in September 1998, uh, Google mm-hmm. was the first of the entities that KPCB um, helped establish as a seed. Uh, Kleiner Perkins Catholic Bios, again, were venture capitalists, and they, along with a cartel that they set up, compliant to white paper requests that Gore and Clinton had put out uh, to find someone to run the internet, and it was one of those um, putting the feed the the request out there, but really already knowing who it's going to go to, and they gave away okay. the IANA domain naming system. To explain okay. the IANA domain naming system, you have a website marty oakley dot com.
1: Uh-huh. It
0: doesn't appear to computers as words; it appears to computers as numbers. So, okay. Or required a new co, as it was called, to be set up. And the new, com- new co would had to be set up as a charity. Um, when it's a charity, it's generally money in, money out. So any money coming into ICANN, which was then the entity running the, the uh, IANA domain naming system, it was taking applications for the registries like the .dot com .dot law .dot you name it, and the they were making millions, and the money would be paid to the charity as a donation, and then flow through okay. on the other side and clean. So you see where it's going. Yes, yes. Twitter is another okay. one of the seeds of KPCB. There was Google, okay. uh, Uber, Facebook. Amazon, um, what we call the FANG, the Netflix, and countless other entities were given money. But who sits on the board? These Jack Dorseys, Mark Zuckerbergs, these peons are really not the people running the company. I actually found, I was trying to explain this to law enforcement as to who they're looking at when you want to get to ground zero of a cancer to cut it out. And I consider these their agenda a cancer that needs to be cut out. And I, I actually found a website searching for affable young men and women to head companies, but they don't have to do anything, any of the work. So when you watch a Mark, no. Zucker, when you watch a Mark Zuckerberg or a Jeff Bezos or even the Jack Ma's and others who are seeds of KPCB, and they look clueless at a government hearing. You now know why. They're not pulling the strings. They're just collecting a lot of big bucks. Go back to Google, Sergey Brin and his associate. They were, what, seniors in university or research assistants? They weren't old enough to understand even what the industry, what they were being credited with having invented was all about. Um, I can was formed by Clinton and Gore, but I say Clinton. It was formed by the people that put them into those positions. Fauci. Okay. Um, I called him out on he's not telling people how much he's earning for every job has been given. Yeah. That, that's
1: why yeah. America.
0: Doesn't, they, they don't want to give up the the patent and to share the patent. They learned the right. lesson about patents back with the alleged polio vaccine. Polio yes. vaccine came from Pitt EDU, Pittsburgh University, and Dr. Salk, there was a lot of questions about the sources that he got his formula from for the vaccine, so he never made money off of it, nor did the institution. And the guy that was running the institution at the time was the one that set up the WHO. Oh, so wow yeah i i told you i got stuck in new york with nothing to do uh well i had something to do <laughs> i learned too much yeah. about this stuff really quick um yeah and, it, oh, and that's I,
1: the thing too When you go ahead please so go just ahead just
0: going back to the event 201 um kerry Mullis, the nobel laureate who invented the pcr died in august 2019 and it was the next month that event 201 was planned and coordinated by Michael Bloomberg, who is a WHO ambassador for years, um, coordinated uh-huh. with uh, Bill Gates, who is a third-generation Planned Parenthood um, in the family. He's and a
1: eugenicist. Yeah, he's, he's a uh, eugenicist. Thank
0: you for saying it. I was cautious. He's a eugenist, um, as, as is his father and um, father before them, him. It was the Mm -hmm. WEC, World Economic Forum, which is Klaus Schwab, who's from Germany and run this WEC for years. And um, you put it all together. John Hopkins is the constant uh, resource for validity of anything Fauci says or doesn't say. But John Hopkins was set up about 100 years ago. With grant money from the Rockefeller Foundation. Now, there's a whole longer story about the Rockefeller Foundation. I really, 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 really want to write about someday uh, after I put to bed this uh, answering the SEC papers, and then, God willing, I, I really take the first step into writing a book of my whistleblowing experience because no one would believe it, let alone that yeah. someone who went to art school and not law school. I managed yeah. to get to the point of the confirmation documents I got last week. I was a victim, but something well, wasn't Carrie, right. There's, there's
1: the thing. I think if, if anything good has come out of this, and we hear the Bar Association members, I've had them confront me. You're dangerously close to practicing law without a license, uh, and so are you, and only you've been doing it. All you got is a Bar Union dues card. You don't have any such license. Oh, my God,
0: I can't believe they said that to you, because all they are is, yeah. as you said, they're a, a member. They have no enforcement authority. No, nope. no. Nope. It was a Nazi, uh, Walter Hallstein, who was the first president of the EU, was a Nazi attorney who had said, the first thing you do to accomplish your goal is you send the lawyers out to make the laws. So by the time things it clues into people what's going on. You're way beyond that. Um,
1: yes. Something
0: else about the Nazis, which is, you know, a lot of trivia. I, I don't need to get on the subway or anything like that, but it's trivia that's important. It was eugenics from America that taught yes. Hitler what he needed to know. Their yep. ten principles are are his in his mind. Comp. He was in prison. He had people walking in and out yes. of prison, apparently. He was getting the eugenics newsletter in prison. But it was the American. And it, that
1: yes, and forward. it was the American Eugenics Society, and it got such a bad name for what they were actually about that they changed it to the White Rose Society. But it's the old American Eugenics Society. And their whole premise that they were built, I've done a lot on this one, that they so were we built to... on, yes, uh, was that they did not want the Africans reproducing and the statements were they reproduced like animals and indiscriminately and so this whole thing Planned Parenthood and everything was set up to limit births and to basically keep this population this sector of the population at a minimum and when you look at it I think I read here recently that 42 million babies have been aborted in the last 20 years and that more than 60% of them were from black mothers. And I think there's several things that lead to that.
0: Go ahead. If I may add to that different perspective, and I'm looking at it as simple black and white, you either broke the law or you didn't break the law. You cannot be a little bit pregnant is a phrase I like to use to put people down to let's just make it really clear. It's If it's a matter of inches of life or death, it's murder, one way or the yes. other. Um, by yes. transitioning, but when the law was saying, oh, it's murder, they came up with this notion of, of women's rights with the... Mm-hmm notion that, well, if the mom says, I want the baby out and we're going to take it out, then that's my decision, so it's not murder. On the other hand, we have constantly in the news these days, it's so sad how many parents will kill their little babies because they just don't want them. Yes. Um,
1: Yeah. So why didn't they use protection? I realize an accident is going to happen here or there, but if you know you don't want children... you you make a constant effort to make sure that doesn't happen, and if all else fails, stay upright, you know.
0: Um, With what we know about about the babies in their ninth month, which is where abortions are being done, with what we know about the babies being alive and the earlier ages at which they start being responsive to the outside world, it's murder if it's being forced out of the tummy. and as it is murder when its head is outside of the canal and things are severed. I had to do the Partial Birth Abortion Act roll call when I first came to D.C., and I was never so horrified as I was then. But it's taken all this time to go away. I've heard it women's rights said so many times. So by pushing off the decision on the mom, they're making the doctor and the nurses um, not – Accountable for this death, right. they're making a mother and how many parents, people are going to say if the mother wants an abortion, then it's not murder. But you have parents right. like the Alabama couple, I think it was, who killed a five-week-old baby because they didn't want it. And that is considered murder. It's a matter yeah. of semantics, really, when it comes down to yes. it. Margaret Sanger worked well, with okay. WebWa to um, encourage the African-American community to kill babies. And Webb Dubois was an elitist. Uh, The pitch of the eugenists was um, the elites versus the unfit. You could be an elite who's unfit, but you wouldn't be the same as unfit who's not an elite, if that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. Margaret Sanker was the social secretary for Woodrow Wilson and the United Nations, um, the first the League of Nations, that then got its name changed to the United Nations. And mm-hmm. so experience or world that it is, when I was covering news, I attended an event uh, Obama's um, UN representative, Samantha Powers, was, uh, was attending and speaking at. And uh, an audience question said, can you tell us why there... If the United Nations is doing its job, and it's a business league, it's a dues-collecting business league, we have to keep that in mind, that if it's doing Mm -hmm. its job, why are there still so many wars? And she paused and said, Gosh, I can't answer that. I don't know. I know. You know. Because we know too much about the agenus. They don't want it to stop. Mm -hmm. There's nothing I can look at today that's going on in the world that I cannot be suspect about. Was it... Coordinated, the um, mm-hmm. Woodrow Wilson was the eugenics president who pushed for big government and the uh, war against the unfit, and under whose administration the prep for Hitler was being set into play. And um, Margaret Sanger coordinated the first get together. I yeah, called it the Convention of the Eugenics Eugenists, and. Um, mm-hmm it gave me a different understanding and things that I've read I would look at how it's being spoken about today and then say how did it get so twisted, case in point um, Ida B. Wells I think it was the. So she pushed hard for the suffragette movement because I think right. that's who it was um, and they didn't wouldn't let her march because right. they were used to help get the votes but weren't to be considered um, on the level of the elites, So, got to love a okay. woman. That she was told yeah. to march with her group at the end of the women, um, the suffragettes, mm-hmm. the white ones, and mm-hmm. I guess people figured they'd never get to march. She's smart cooking. She wiggles her way yeah. up towards where her uh, group would have, entourage should have been, and then just jumped into place and, and marched the rest of the way. A lot of people weren't happy, but she wasn't going to say no. You know, be put down. Should we fought for this? Believe it. You know and what, Carrie?
1: You, okay, I got a message here from one of our listeners uh, regarding the topic of abortion, and said this is why we needed Trump as our president. He was going to sign a law to stop abortion. Let me correct you, you dingbat. No, he wasn't. He was going to use an executive order. To withhold federal funding, that would get the federal government out of it, which would allow it to be totally privatized. And then you couldn't know anything about what they were doing because it would be proprietary rights and trade secrets, and you can't know what that is. But there is a booming business in baby body parts. Um, We've had nurses reporting beating hearts being removed from. Newborn fetuses that babies that nobody wanted, uh, but they are selling all parts of these babies brains lungs Tissue tendon bone everything and this is what he was going to do You you need to dig a little deeper into what you're talking about before you talk to me um, because this just I Can't believe you thought he was going to stop. I know that's how it was sold but you had to read that executive order which I did do and It basically allowed the whole abortion industry to be totally privatized. Anytime you see the word stakeholders, which you will see in everything, it means the people who have a vested interest in getting that law passed because they will profit immensely from them. And that's who's running the show. And the abortion industry was on board. Go ahead. Same thing with Fauci.
0: Um, 1992, yes. Clinton wrote an act, that, an order that allowed Fauci and others in Fauci's positions of federal government to get paid royalties for every patent that went through to a grant and into production. Um, Fauci is worth millions. He doesn't discuss mm-hmm. the, um, the, the amount of monies he's made from helping big pharma he, and nobody really, aside from me, as I, I've been able to see, has discussed that there were multiple private entities, um, friends of the CDC, friends of the NIH, and other such groups that were set up by the vested parties. Now let's go back to event two hundred and one. Who was at the table there? There was the Chinese CDC guy, the American CDC guy, Marriott Hotels, a PR firm. Um, that you, you know, we look back and say, how did all this information get disseminated so quickly? Um, well, they had their uh, their their machine in play and in place to go into play once Kerry Mullis died. And that was in August 2019. I believe the Event 201 was held at the Pierre Hotel in New York City. Um, Yes. The immediate, you know, we we saw so, so many things happening, but there was something else that happened in October 2019 coincidental to the Event 201 we all remember that Michael Bloomberg strangely jumped into the presidential race on the Democratic ticket at that time. And, mm-hmm. it, and it's, it struck me as being odd that um, he had not really jumped in until that point. I truly believe after learning more about Michael in relationship to the coronavirus, which then became COVID, which then became COVID-19, I think he really thought the world was going to fall in love with him and that the Uh new voters were going to just snap him up and vote him into the presidency didn't happen. Uh I mean, you you can buy a lot of things with money, but you can't buy personality. And um, he dropped out soon enough and didn't really pop his head up in that aspect of what was going on in terms of the presidency and in terms of the presidential candidacy, and in then he started popping up in terms of donations to the the universities, to John Hopkins University, funding departments that facilitated getting the word out on the coronavirus. And remember, okay. as I said earlier, John Hopkins was we- set up in the 1900s with Rockefeller money. So there are repeating okay. names. And their agendas.
1: Yes. I've got a a message here, and we've only got about six minutes left here, but it said to ask you, please, about the D.C. Federal Council and about the John Edward Hurley, head of the McClendon Group at the National Press
0: Club. Gosh, I don't know about them, and I used to be a member of the National Press Club. What is that name again? And I'll put some time in to look at Um, them.
1: Yes, John Edward Hurley.
0: Okay. And what was the other name?
1: Um, and the other one here was, it, it just wanted to know about, it says that the Marriott's are Mormons and sponsors of the Boy Scouts of America. Um, okay.
0: That I'm wow. aware of, okay. but there's a lot more information as to the Marriott, the family, and the other um There was a Marriott representative at the table back in 2019, uh, as well as the Gates group was behind it. Bill Gates was actively testing vaccines such as remdesivir um, in Africa and India um, on Ebola. Uh, A lot of these drugs have been sitting to some degree, not a lot, some of these drugs have been sitting on shelves just waiting to be repurposed. That was a case with right. Um, I had found yeah. documents that showed that the entity working on some of these drugs was giving uh, vaccines to China way back. The relationships are are twisted for convenience um, Rockefeller foundation set up set up its one of its first um, medical facilities in China in the early nineteen hundreds um Again, there's a lot more to talk about that I'm not ready yet yeah. to discuss too, too much. There's yeah. a story within the story I would like to do as a follow-up book once I get past my SEC whistleblowing yeah. um, jaunt. Is the only way to call it. Yes. Um, well, were... I didn't know
1: about this D.C. Federal Council till here recently. I had no idea that the... <laughs> There was a difference, you know, that it even existed. Let me put it that way. And now, when I see this big push again to make DC a state, there's something at work here. We just got to figure out what. We've got about four minutes. Um, do you have any closing statements?
0: Well, I, I think some a closing statement that you and I can both agree on. Just because it has a fancy name like DC Federal Council doesn't mean that it's federal or anything other than a private group trying to accomplish a goal. Um, more dark monies popped up with this guy, hand Jorg who's bigger than Soros. Mm-hmm. Believe nothing until you find, yeah. a, put in the due diligence to learn more right. about it. And even then, it takes time. It took me 10 plus years to put the pieces into play to pull down the scam of the SEC and FINRA, that I can confidently challenge them and go, ah, can't say that. Here's this document that said that this is what you could do and you didn't do it. It takes time. Our biggest enemy is that people are not investing the time needed to research what we're being told too quickly. Yeah. Put into the public place, the public marketplace, for the sole purpose of just getting it out there and moving on, and letting people deal right. with the fallout as they pulled with you, as they pulled with me. Yeah. My yeah motivation for me persisting was one: you don't do this. And most of us are victimized not once, but twice or three times because the system was never set up for us to win. Um, And also because it's my name. I, I, age 19, built a business, supported myself, supported my kids, took nothing from anybody. So what I will leave this world with is my good name. And Mm -hmm. if in the process I take down the others, so be it. Well done. I'll give myself a pat on the back if that's all that's needed.
1: (laughs) There you go. All but right, you this, I, Carrie. Uh, I want to thank you for for coming on uh, because uh, this hour has gone very swiftly. And while we may not agree on some things, it, I I like the level of conversation. And uh, and besides, if you agreed on we, with me on everything, I'd find you tediously boring, and I wouldn't talk to you because I'd already know what you think. So if anyway, we had done um, everything
0: we'd be suspicious of each other.
1: Yes, there you go. <laughs> There you go. and Ooh, uh, I got 90 seconds. Uh, I want to remind everyone again, Whistleblowers is brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the annual Whistleblower Summit taking place this year, July 29th through 30, I think the 31st, and it will be live online on Zoom. And we'll be there, me and all my old glory. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, Carrie, thank you. Go ahead.
0: Um Federal Council is a .org. It's not a – got to look if it's a .org or a .gov. It's a good tip. If it's a .org, okay. it's a bunch of people pushing an agenda.
1: Okay. Okay, i got to wind down here. Uh, thanks everybody that tuned in and thanks for the comments. I know I didn't get to everybody but I tried to bring forward the ones I thought were most relevant to the conversation and for those of you who send me messages using profanity and making stupid comments. Now you know <laughs> that's not going to go on air. I, I just don't know why you even bother. Uh, I, I put you on the list and don't talk to these people because they're ignorant. Anyway. Everybody have a good evening. Again, thank you for tuning in, Carrie. Thank you for coming on with me. And we will do this again soon, I hope. Good night, everyone.
0: Good night.